You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. You have your Bibles if you're open to John chapter 14 on your phone, on the intranet, on the worldwide spider web or with real paper and papyrus. John chapter 14. Last couple of times that I've been speaking to you, and I just thank our pastor and you guys for the privilege of uh, getting to share the word of God with you today. We've been looking at a statement Jesus made that he's the way, the truth, and the life. We talked for one week about Jesus being the way. We'll be learning for eternity what that means. Many times we'll even be taught by the Lord in his kingdom, but it's worth investigating now. And then a couple of weeks ago, we started this, the second part where Jesus said that he is the truth, and I'd like to look at another part of that today. Let's start with the scripture, John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus says to his disciples and to you today, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him. Let's read this part of the verse together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said in John chapter 18, the reason he was born, he told Pilate at his trial, the fakest trial ever, He said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. He said that everyone who is on the side of truth will follow him and listen to him. I've got it right there. Everyone who's on the side of truth listens to him. There's two sides of truth. I'm on the side of truth or I'm not on the side of truth. And if you're on the side of truth, according to Jesus' own words, you're listening to him because he is the truth. Now, in this multi-dimensional culture that we live in, there are a lot of voices claiming to be the truth. You have to say to yourself, I'm calling Jesus a liar if I'm going to believe this other truth. Because he is saying, without any kind of shadow of a doubt, I am the truth. And I am the way and I am the life. Jesus calls himself the truth. You know, in Psalm 119, the, the, the Bible states that God's word is truth. Jesus in John is called the Word. It says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then it goes on to describe how the Word became flesh. Jesus came in the flesh, but he was also always, and before he was in flesh, he was the truth of God. It's all interconnected. Many people in this culture will tell you there's so many contradictions in the Bible. When they do that, ask them to tell you one. Tell them you'll look it up. Usually they go, well, there's a lot, and I don't, because most of the time they haven't investigated it. Most of the time, with a little bit of an investigation, you can find out, and I have uh, information on this if you want some of it, you can find out where the contradictions really aren't contradictions. They're just a different point of view or perspective, but it all goes together. Jesus says, I am the word. I was made flesh. I am the truth. His word is truth. In John 17, he prays to God, and he says, Father, make my disciples holy by your word. He could have said, make them holy by your truth. And then he goes on to say, teach them your word because your word is truth. So just from the very beginning, as we are, most of us claim to be followers of Christ, we are following 
not only a person in the man and the person of Jesus, but the incarnate Son of God. So he's all God and all man. But we're also following a God and a man, the God-man, who claims to be and calls himself the truth. So if we believe he's the truth, then we want to follow what he's saying and what he's doing. And there lies the problem and the difficulty, I believe, in my humanity. Well, I believe you, Lord, but I need my actions to back that up. Let's look at that today. Jesus calls himself the truth. Would you pray with me first? Lord, help us. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. It's not the words of a man or a woman or a person that could convince the heart, but it's the voice of your Holy Spirit that changes us, that leads us to repentance, that brings salvation to the soul and the body and the spirit. So we're de completely dependent on you today, Lord, not the gift of persuasion, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not dependent on the gift of how someone can speak, but we're dependent on the words you have spoken. So they, today, Lord, I pray over us. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand? Even that one, Lord, whose heart is closed off to you, whose eyes are blinded to you, whose ears are plugged up. We lift up the gates and we ask you to come in, King of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at truth, or two weeks ago we looked at truth in the culture. I want to review a little bit of that, and then I want to give you a couple of new pieces of information about truth in the culture. Jesus said this, or this, this happened. Jesus was in a boat leaving a crowd to go to a private place, but the, the crowd followed him, and he got out of the boat, and he had compassion on the crowd because of this. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Anybody raising sheep or goats at your house? No, really, raise your hand. I'd like to come eat. Cabrito with you. I had to move to Mexico to find out what it means for sheep without a shepherd. But listen, sheep don't get to where they need to be without a shepherd. I mean, that's the small version of it. They can be all over. You can have 100 sheep and you can have none except in 100 other places. They're not going to be where they're supposed to be. Jesus is looking at the crowd. And in other words, he could have said, they don't know the truth. Or no one is leading them to the truth. Or they're scattered because there's so many versions of truth. But I am the truth. And isn't it amazing that Jesus had compassion on them? Anybody who's raising those sheep or goats, you ever have uncompassion? Stupid goat. I mean, you don't kick them, but you're just mad because you have to go catch them and bring them back. Sounds like uh, my mom and me growing up. He had compassion on them. What a savior that we have. I've been done with me before, many times. I just can't stand you anymore, Matt. How can you do that again, Matt? And yet the Lord looks at me, sometimes like a sheep without a shepherd, and he says, I have compassion on you, Matt, and I want to lead you. Jesus saw the crowd, and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. We're the same way in our culture because we're in the information age. There's information we talked about, which is knowledge, facts that you can get from a source. But there's misinformation, incorrect facts. We call that fake news or fake facts in our culture today. But there's also disinformation. It's false information on purpose to mislead you. It's covert. Sometimes it's in your face. It's deliberately to obscure the truth. These are definitions out of our current dictionaries in English. 
false information. We live in a culture that's full of information, but we are more and more finding ourselves just with the inability to figure out what's true and what's not true. And that could be explained in so many examples. We also talked about, and I want to review, that there are three cultural views of absolute. There are cultures that are raised up with a a view of absolute truth as God makes the law and we follow it, natural law. We see gravity and go, oh, there must be somebody who invented that. We see the law of reaping and sowing, planting and growing. You don't plant apples and get corn. We see a law in that. You reap what you sow. What comes around goes around, that kind of thing. We see those natural laws and we say there must be a God who made those laws. There are cultures in the earth like that. You could argue that America maybe tried to start off like that. People came here looking for religious freedom. They wrote a constitution that say we hold these truths to be self-evident, meaning it's not a truth inside of us. It's a truth outside of us that we can observe with our own eyes that all men are created equal. And as a nation, we're still struggling to live up to that truth, but it's truth nonetheless that all people are created equal and in the image of God. People throw away God's law. And I kind of see this as a progression when they say, I don't want God's law anymore. They find another law, a heteronymous culture. It means someone else makes the law. It's not necessarily like our government where we vote for leaders, but it might be like a king or a dictator like Napoleon or Hitler, where a small group or one person says, this is the law for the country. We, we throw away God's law and we get another law. It's never going to get better than God's law. It's always going to get worse. Then we get tired of that kind of law and we say, no, I just want to make my own law. I want to be autonomous. I want to make laws for myself. Does that sound good? Unless you've lived a little while with yourself. It's arguable that we live in an autonomous culture. People say something like, these days they might not even argue with Fernando when he says, I believe in Jesus. They go, hey, that's good for you. I'm glad you found your truth. But my truth, and they have an autonomous view of things. I'm going to create my own law. It's not new. It started in the Garden of Eden when the devil said, you could be like God and decide good and evil for yourself. I want to give you a couple of other definitions today, new ones, not from the last time. Post-truth. Post-truth. Relating to circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping an opinion More influential is appeal or an emotional, personal belief. We live in a post-truth culture. This was the word of the year in 2016. Post-truth. It means even though you have the facts, we live in a culture that will be more, they'll determine what they're going to do, not based on the facts, but based on the emotion or the feeling or what seems right to them, even when they know the facts are true. And I say they, meaning us. That's the air we breathe and the world we live in. Here's another definition from a different dictionary. It's a situation in which people are more likely to accept an argument based on their emotions and beliefs rather than one based on facts. I would say it's a fact the earth is round, yet there's many people in a movement called the Flat Earth Movement that regardless of whatever facts might be presented, they have their own beliefs and their own feelings. They say, no, that's not true. You might present facts that we landed on the moon. Then there's people who say, no, that's a conspiracy theory, and they're not those facts. And I'm not, I don't want to argue what's what or what. I'm just giving you a couple of examples. But I just want to tell you, you live in a post-truth culture where even if you can show somebody in black and white the truth, they go like, ah, don't. If they have another opinion, if they have another belief, if it feels right, 
I'm going to do it rather than if you give me the statistics about something else or the facts. It's a post-truth culture. You're affected by it whether you relate to that or not. Anybody drink water at your house? You ever get the, yeah? Who, who buys water? I ain't drinking that water out of faucet, bro. I'm buying water. And then, okay, who, then you can like go more, like who buys the high dollar water? Who buys the 89? Put me some convenience store with like two for a dollar. I'm buying that water. You know, they'll check your water and they'll tell you what's in it. A lot of places they have to give you a report about what's in your water. What's your point, Matt? Well, I hope I have one. If you drink the water, then it's in you. We're living in a world that's talking about air pollution and air quality and environment. If you're breathing the air, there's stuff in it. Now, God's made your body with an immune system, hair in your nose that filters things. I know, because my girls go, Dad, cut that, cut that. So transparent. Don't be so transparent. There's things in your body that are made to filter the air that we breathe. Spiritually speaking, in the air is post-truth. Believe whatever you want. Do whatever you want. And whether you do that or not, you're still affected by it. And your relationship with the Lord is filtering that out of you. You've got to know the word of God or it'll be hard for the filter to work. We live in a culture that's post-truth. You can look at a person, give them the facts that are unarguable, and they still go, I don't believe that. Is the light coming on? Oh, no wonder my child's like that. No wonder my co-worker's like that. No, what? They're in a post-truth culture. It's not new. Started in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve free will. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But in a post-truth culture, the idea is that whatever you believe is okay and it's your truth. But in reality, God's truth is truth and you can't separate yourself from the consequences of that truth. Whether you believe it or not, if you plant corn, corn's going to grow. I don't care how much you believe you can get an apple tree out of a seed of corn. Believe it with all your heart. Have a podcast. Write books. Get your own TV show. How to make apples out of corn. Believe it with all your heart. It's not going to happen. Believe it with all your heart. There's no God. Tell him when you meet him. I hope it goes well for you on that day. Post-truth culture. It elevates feelings and preferences over facts and truth. Christian person, oh, be careful not to get swept into this. And I would tell you probably just get yourself out of this. You're probably already in it and don't know it. We feel like something is right, so we do it. And because of a lack of knowledge of the word of God, the people perish because of a lack of a vision. Because we don't even know we're using our feelings instead of the truth of God, we get swept into it. This culture won't even tell you your truth is wrong. They'll just tell you it has no relevance on them. It's the culture you live in. I'm not mad at the culture. Jesus came to a culture opposite of his kingdom so that he might invade it and rescue those that are his out of it and take them from one kingdom of post-truth into the kingdom of truth. I just want to go with him. I don't want to be dragging my foot out of this one and dipping my toe in the other one. You live in a post-truth culture. Just watch this week. How many times you hear, well, I think or I feel or... What we need to know is the word of God and say, but the word of God says, and then put our life on that. You live in a post-truth culture. 
In this post-truth culture, there's information that's real and not real. We talked about that. It creates delusion and illusion. Were you here two weeks ago when I made the coloring book, have no pages and then color? Yes. Nobody asked me to buy my book from me or whatever. Anybody ever see that guy that made a Statue of Liberty disappear when you were younger? When TV just came out, it was barely in color. That's how old it was ago. Listen. You will see things with your own eyes in the days that are coming that are false, even though you saw it. We used to say, I got to see it to believe it. But now with fake news and this thing called deep fake where they can change videos and put your face on a body that's not yours or make words that come out of your mouth that weren't your words, even more it will be important to know the word of God. The Bible says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, go to the right or go to the left. It'll be the Holy Spirit guiding you because even you won't be able to trust your own eyes. But we're the righteous and we walk by faith and not by sight. God's already prepared us for these days and he's made you for these days, it says in the book of Acts. I just want to live when it was easier. And God goes, no, Matt, I built you for today. I built you for a post-truth culture. I built you for the days when there was deep fake so that you could be a light of the world and a city on a hill and the salt of the earth. But it's not going to just happen by accident. We're going to have to know the truth. There's a delusion. It's falsely believed. It's in the mind. It's like this, and I want to pray for people like this. I did a research paper in high school on anorexia. I had a picture of a girl who barely weighed like 70 pounds, skin and bones. They interviewed her. She says, I'm so fat. Total delusion. She would look in a mirror and see fat. The doctor would look at her and see like you're almost dead. She believed it with all her heart. It's, an, it's a delusion. If you suffer from any eating disorder, I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm using it as an example, not lightly. I know it's a tremendous weapon of the enemy and struggle for people. But I want you to know there's a delusion that seems real, but it's not real. Would you pray for me? Lord, if they're online or in the building, man or woman, young or old, I pray to the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word to break the curse that they would be set free, they would know the truth, and the truth would set them free, that they would live on the bread of life, the word of God. Open their eyes, Lord, to see the truth. Bring them the help they need. We pray for freedom today because you've announced it, freedom for the captive. We pray that eating disorders would be broken off the lives right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a delusion. You don't want to be the person that's looking at something and seeing totally different than it is. The only thing that's going to help you is light in your eyes. It's called the word of God. Jesus said, teach them by your word. Wash them by your word. Your word is truth. There's also illusions. It's not just a mindset where you, you think something wrong in your head, but it's where you actually see something and it tricks you. That's what illusionists do, magicians. There's some real magicians that do real magic that's really real and really bad. But most people that you see on TV or something like that, they're an illusionist. And they, they present something and they trick you. I want to tell you a story. I was in Mexico four years there doing ministry with my wife and kids. My wife was pregnant most of the time with one kid or another. My friends in Mexico said, Matt, you don't have a TV? <laughs> I said, bro, I live in a town of a thousand people with no internet. There's nothing on the TV anyway. I better change the story real quick. While my wife was having Micah, I, 
Our friends told us about the story when they were going to the hospital in Mexico. They hit the speed bump on the way to the hospital, and the baby came out on the speed bump. And I said, PJ, I'm sending you back to Texas right now. She said, I'm three months till I'm due. I go, you're going right now. We're not having no speed bump babies. So she was in Texas. That's a true story. My friend Vanessa was born on a speed bump in Las Amarillas, and she had her birthday the other day. I talked to her. I sent PJ back to Texas to be close to our doctor, to have Micah. While she was gone, they had a fiesta in the plaza, one of the communities we worked in. These fiestas were celebrating something. I don't remember exactly which one it was, either the founding of that community or some national holiday in Mexico, and I apologize for not knowing, but they would set up on the plaza, on the square, all these things, games and vendors and clothes. It was like a feria, like a fair. It was awesome. So I was down there. I have some friends. We're walking around. There's a guy at a table. He's got three little cups with a little ball under him. He's doing this. Bad guy. For 200 pesos, that's about 20 bucks. You could put it down like, it's the middle one. So he does it. He gets a crowd. He's doing the ball. And he goes, where is it? Like a practice. Oh, it's the middle one. He's like, you're right. You're feeling good about yourself. He does it like this. Where is it? And he goes, 20 bucks. You go, it's the middle. He goes, no. And you're like, how could it not be the middle? I watched it. He does it again. You're in 20 more. You're in 20 more. I wasn't in 20 more and 20 more. After 20, I was done. But I watched him for three hours, and I watched the people I knew where $20 was a day wage and where they were having so much fun with their kids, and they'd come, and they'd be like, Daddy, you can do it, and he'd go, it's the middle one. He's like, oh, sorry, and I watched these guys, and what I watched was people losing their money. Now, if it's a real game, it's a real game, but it was an illusion. It was a trick. He would, I watched him long enough to see where he would hide one little ball under his finger and drop another little ball under there. I watched long enough to see that he had a friend in the crowd that would win every now and then. Another lady that would lose on purpose, but it was his wife. I only knew that because I stayed so long because my wife was in Texas. I didn't have a bedtime. I watched him and he went to the taco stand with everybody's $20 and he fed all the people that were in his group. They looked like they were all alone, but they were all together. It was an illusion. Big deal. Everybody does that. Well, I'd like to make a couple of points. If all you got is $20 for the day, then $20 over a trick is a lot. But I got so upset because I knew the men who were losing their money and how depressed they went, became after that and whatever. I said, hey, bro, you, I didn't say, hey, bro. I didn't even say, hey, primo. I said, sir, can I talk to you in Spanish? I said, you know what you're doing? I said, this community, I was real naive because he knew exactly what he was doing. And I explained to him the trouble he was causing. He said, listen, that's their fault. His truth was that if you're too dumb that you'll be fooled, you ought to be fooled. And he's just helping you one day get to the end of your foolishness, he explained to me. I don't like Mexican jails or prisons, so I left it at that. His truth. This idea in the culture of you can have your own truth, it's all good until your truth runs into somebody else's truth. Until the truth that you need to do this and it ruins your life, or you can bet on this and it takes your money, or you can do this or that, till it collides with your truth. What do you say to a man who goes, I know what I'm doing. It's their fault. They, 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 I've been winning money all night. They should have known that. That's his fault. I'm, my truth is that I'm helping that guy. 
There's delusions and illusions. Which line is longer between the arrows, A or B? Have you seen this illusion? Just the straight line, not the bent lines. What looks longer? We all know this one. A looks longer. They're both the same length. The illusion is how you turn the other four lines. If you turn them in, it looks smaller. If you turn them out, how do you know it's true, Matt? Is it an illusion, a delusion? Are you spreading false news? No, you measure it. You measure it and you go, oh, they're both two inches or whatever. But if you have two different kinds of rulers, two different kinds of measurements, how do you measure it? That's the world we live in. When you line something up and go, it's this long, and somebody goes, it's not that long, it's this long. Well, how do you know it's that long? Well, I measure it. What are you measuring it by? I'm measuring it by inches. I'm measuring it by my own ruler. I don't even like inches. I made up mats. It's seven mats. What's a mat? It's measurement. You measure things by yourself. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's how somebody can say, no, I won't. These moral issues in our world, the ones we're arguing about, the ones that half of them are on this political party and half of them are on that one, but all of them are dressed in the Bible. And as a church, we need to be standing up for them. These, these more, like, like when does life start? Well, it depends on what you measure it by. If you measure it by this group that says it's this, that, but if you measure it by the word of God, he says, I knew you before I formed you. So the argument from a biblical worldview is that life, your life began before anybody knew about it. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, but he knew you in your mother's womb, so it's at least alive in there. It's not my point to get on all that. It's my point to realize if you measure with a different measurement, if you measure morality by if you're too dumb to lose your $20, I'll take it. Instead of the morality that we need to treat others the way we want to be treated, that's a measurement in the Bible, then you can do whatever. And we all like whatever. And in our culture, it's sure whatever. I don't want you to be so upset with the culture. I want you to be saved out of the culture. But I don't want that culture getting in this culture. Now, I don't know where you're watching online, but in Texas, we say stuff like this. Don't California my Texas. Oh, he's getting on nervous ground. No, I'm not. Whatever. Because <clears throat> I'm not in California saying that. I'm saying that in Texas, so I'm safe. <laughs> don't bring your stuff to our stuff. Moms, you ever done that? Your friend could come over, but in our house, this is how we act. Listen. The, the post-truth culture is in the church. Google the Pew results for sexual relationships. Just came out. They did it in 2019. I'm going to show you a chart. You probably can't read it. But I'm going to tell you what it says. They took Christians and unidentified, meaning people that don't identify with a church or with a religion. They could be non-religious, atheists, or they could just be, I believe in everything, whatever. So they took Christian and non-Christian. They asked them, is it okay for unmarried adults to have sex inside of a committed relationship, but they're not married? Now, if you're old as me or older than me, you know that sex outside of marriage is unbiblical. It's wrong. There's not an argument on that. But only 32% of Christians said that's never right. Some said it's always okay, it's sometimes okay, it's rarely okay, but only 32% said what the Bible says, that thou shalt not commit adultery. 
which is sexual relationships out of marriage. Then they asked them other questions. What about casual sex between consenting adults who are not in a committed relationship? Well, we got one more percent. 33% of Christians says that's not right. So they took the committed relationship out of there. They're asking the church culture what the truth is. And the post-truth comes out in the church culture. How about an open relationship where you're in a relationship with someone having sexual relationships, but you could also have sexual relationships with someone else. They asked the church people that, and uh, 62% said that's never right. But that means 38% said that could sometimes be all right. What about sex on the first date? 54% of Christians says that's not right. But what do you do with the other 46? That's America, y'all. They didn't go somewhere else asking questions. Now, I don't even care about looking at what unidentified with a religious belief think. I, they don't think like the Bible. But how in the world, that's the post-truth. Well, I just think I like her, so, well, I just think everybody ought to decide for themselves. I can imagine a situation where, well, the problem is that God's word says this. Marriage should be honored by all and the bed kept pure. God will judge the adulterer. If you don't know what adulterer means, it means having sex with someone that's not your husband or wife. And the sexually immoral. And that's in Hebrews. Jesus quotes the Old Testament and he says, you've heard the commandment, you must not commit adultery. And I got the thing right there. He's quoting a verse from Exodus because he is the word and he is the truth. He says, I'm going to tell you what the meaning of that is. If you even look at a woman with lust, You've committed adultery in your heart, though maybe not in your body. Jesus goes, you're not even going to skate around this issue. I want you to love me with all your heart so you can't be spinning your heart outside of the way I've told you to do it. Listen, the world can do that, but you can't say you follow Christ and not believe what Christ says. Now, let me refine that statement. God is so patient with us. So patient. Anybody got a kid that's not 16? Are you letting them drive the car? No, you're not. Will you let them when they're 16? Maybe. There's things God's patient with us that we haven't learned yet, that he's growing us up with. And as we keep reaching for him, he teaches us. But he's not changing his mind on his word and his truth because it is truth. How in the world does the post-truth culture get into the church so much that over half of Christian believe you can sleep with whoever you want when you want? I'm not saying that they stumble in that sin. I know we stumble. There's a way. We have an advocate, a high priest. We can fall on Jesus' knees and go, I'm so sorry. I want to do better. And he can help us and fill us with his Holy Spirit and wash us from our unrighteousness and give us another start. I'm not saying that we don't stumble in that, that we don't look and lust, that we don't make mistakes, that we haven't made mistakes. But I, I'm saying, people are saying, that's not even my goal. That's not even true. In other words, Jesus lied when he said that. Oh, we wouldn't say that. Oh, but your actions are saying that. Our actions are saying that. What are you doing, man? I, I really want to be positive, and I am positive. I am positive the fire of the Holy Spirit is refining the church and that we're going to be pure and spotless when he comes for us. God has power for that. But we need to have a vision of purity. This is one example of a whole Bible teaching us the way to go, the truth of God. We need to have a vision like, Lord, I haven't met up to it yet, but I'm aiming for that. That's your truth, and I'm going after it. I'm a long way from it, Lord, but I'm headed that way. But if you're aiming for somewhere else, like, yeah, Jesus said don't do that, but it's real old-fashioned. Oh, I had this idea. 
anybody got, still got an old school TV, like the big ones with the picture tubes in it that you've got to have help to move or you're going to be in bed for three days? You know, like the big ones. Someone put one out on the curb the other day on Highway 20. I almost stopped and I thought, I can't even fit that in my truck. It was like a 60-something inch, but the, it was 60 inches this way too. Y'all remember that? In our culture, that's called antiquated, outdated, of no use. Because you can get a bigger one that weighs a fraction of that with crystal, LCD, and stuff I don't even know about. And this is so old school and heavy. And that's so but what's the purpose of the TV? It's to take information that comes to you in a different format and show you a picture that's moving with volume. Moving pictures, movies. They used to have those before they shut down all the theaters with COVID. It's moving pictures, movies. It, they, but the movie doesn't come. Like the guy on the horse doesn't ride by your TV, and then you see him in the screen, and then he rides off. This dude is great. This is so deep, man. I'm coming back to this church. This guy's brilliant. What happens is there's a signal comes in. It used to be analog. Now it's digital. Some people get both still. I don't have time to explain all that because I don't know nothing about it. But you can get a signal that comes through a satellite or a cable, and then it comes on your TV, and because of the way the TV is made, it turns that signal into moving pictures with volume, right? Anybody ever see TV? I mean, like they say in this post-truth world, everybody's watching Netflix. Just give me a little help. I understand what TV is. Great. Let me tell you something. If that's the purpose of TV, does it matter if you have the big one or the new one? It doesn't really matter. Now, it's more convenient. It might be better. Let's switch it around. Does it matter if your church has an organ or a guitar as long as it's facilitating the worship of God? Doesn't matter. I might like one better, but it's not matter. What are you talking about, Matt? When someone looks at you and says, your God has no reference point in this world today, your Bible's outdated, you just go, oh, he's talking about, like, do TVs matter? That's how I relate it. I go, well, as long as I can see who God is, it doesn't matter if I got the Bible on my app or on the page. As long as I know who God is, it doesn't matter if I'm hearing it from old, bald-headed Matt or handsome, young Leo when he gets back. Tell him I said that. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it was your grandma telling you the word of God or your friend at school telling you the word of God. What it matters is that the word of God got to you. They're going to tell us that our faith is like this old, tired TV and nobody uses it. And it might be. You might be old and tired. I am. But if we're the word of God in the flesh for people to see, if the Bible's still true, no matter if it's on the page or the digital tablet, then it doesn't matter what kind of TV it is as long as it's still going. It doesn't matter if we meet like this or meet online. It doesn't matter if it's this or that. It just matters that it's God and that we're following his truth. Does that illustration make sense? Don't get mad when they tell you, you still, believe, you still believe Jonah got eaten by a fish? I go, you believe a bang started the world? Everybody has faith. It's just it's a lot easier. You have to have less faith to be a Christian because there's a whole Bible presenting the knowledge of God passed down for years. The evidence of the Bible is more factual than any book in history. I can tell you where to find that information. I'm not just making it up. But to believe a big bang happens like to say, hey, there was an Apple lab. It blew up and it made a tablet. So cool. I'm waiting for the BMW factory to blow up and put an X5 in my garage. I'm just waiting. It's going to happen. It takes a lot of faith to believe anything. Atheists are putting their faith in facts that they think present an argument against God. Christians put their faith in facts that they think present the argument for God. I'm just going to tell you, 
The sun comes up every day. Somebody put it there. It doesn't come up, Matt. The world goes around. I understand how the world works. Truth in the culture. But there's not only the culture that's against the truth of God. The devil's against the truth of God. Look at this in Matthew. I'm going to go real fast and finish. After his baptism, Jesus came out of the water. The heavens were open. They saw the Spirit of God come down like a dove and settled on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Listen, people were there and saw this. There are no books saying that didn't happen. The people that were there, eyewitnesses, they heard the voice. It's the Word of God, the truth of God saying, This is my Son. But then the next chapter, Jesus gets led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Anybody in the wilderness? It might have been the Holy Spirit that took you there for a reason. Just look around and say, God, what are you doing in this time of my life? But back to the story. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. Forty days and forty nights he fasted. He became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him. The devil is trying to steal truth from you. He goes, if you are the Son of God, look at this. God says, you're my son. The devil goes, if you are God's son, kind of like the garden, don't eat from this tree. Did he really say don't eat from this tree? The, Lord, the devil attacks God's truth and his truth as it affects your identity. When you look in the mirror and go, what a mess. That's a lie. God says you're created in his image. I mean, you got a way to go, but he's perfecting you. He's sanctifying you. He calls you dearly loved, not a mess. He says, if you're really the son of God, and then he asked him to turn the bread into stones. Look what Jesus said. The scripture says, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus settles the argument with the truth. The devil did not say, uh-uh. Because he's heard the truth come out of a man who believed it. No argument there. Next time you feel outwitted by the devil, just remember this. The truth you're standing on, God's word, he already knows it's true. He's just testing if you do. And if you act like you don't, he's going to exploit it. So you want to dig down deep into that truth. And when you feel like there's no way, you want to go, no, there is a way because he is the way. And the devil's like, there's no way. And you just go, (laughs) whatever. Don't even have the conversation. I like to have the conversation. I like to go, there is a way. Go ask him and then come over here. He gets him on that one. So the devil takes him to Jerusalem in the highest point of the temple. He says, if you're the son of God, go on and jump off. The scripture said, order his angels to protect you, hold you up with your hands. Now the devil starts using scripture. Oh, you want to be all Bible, Jesus? I'll throw some Bible at you. How about this verse? But how many of you know you can't just take one verse out of context and make it, you use it with the other verses in the Bible to get a a well-rounded idea of the truth. And that's what Jesus does. And he says, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And I've got the references there. Jesus is quoting actual Bible verses. So the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain. Somehow he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give it to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. And Jesus is like, get out of here, devil. Sometimes we feel like he's like this. Oh, devil, get out of here. I haven't eaten in 40 days. He just stands up laughing. Get out of here. The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And what happened? The devil went away. As you're fighting to believe the truth, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. 
you don't have to sit there in a toe-to-toe battle with the devil. You can tell him the truth and to leave. When he says you're worth nothing, you say, I'm bought with a price. Get out of here. And then have another conversation. There's many examples of that. I'd love to share them. But I'm already getting close to being an hour over time. Just kidding. Does God's word really say? Does God's word really say the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the earth? The devil might say, you're not that big of a sinner. Look at your homeboy over there. He's terrible. You're better than him. You don't even need a savior. Does God really say, bless your enemies? The devil might say, you're going to bless your enemies? They're going to do worse to you. Get them before you get back. Do unto others before they do to you. The devil might say, but Romans 12 says you're supposed to bless your enemies. How about give to those in need? The Bible says it in many places, and the devil might come to you and go, bro, you don't even have enough for yourself. How are you going to give to those people in need? What are you going to do to them? Just enable them to keep being lazy? What are you going to do for them? Right there? And the Bible says if you see a need and you don't meet it, and you have the means to meet it, how can the love of God be in you? But the devil's attacking everything the word of God says. Not just the three things he talked to Jesus about or the one thing he talked to Adam and Eve about. Every point in the word of God, the devil's arguing in your mind. But you don't have to have an argument with it. He already knows who the truth is. He already knows Jesus doesn't live in the grave. He already knows his time is limited. He already knows the end of the story. Do we know? And are we living in it? Your battle against the devil is to just know the truth and resist him for a second and he'll be gone. But if you give him three seconds, he might have you. It's been my experience. I try to get out of there in less than 2.5. And I try to get out of there with a little attitude, Crispin. I try to get out there with a little bit. Hey, devil, before you talk to me, why don't you go get your homeboys? And why don't you go tell me how long it took Jesus to come out of the grave? They already start leaving. They don't want to talk about that. The truth in me, and we'll close. There's a battle of truth in the culture. There's a battle in truth in the spirit with the enemies. There's a battle of the truth inside of us. Paul said this, the trouble's not with the truth. It's spiritual. It's good. The trouble's with me. I'm too human. I'm a slave to sin. I don't even understand myself. I want to do what's right, and I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, what's wrong. Anybody done that? Anybody feel that? Did the words ever come out of your mouth, and you were trying to catch them before they got over there to her ears? guilty you ever put all your chips on this and it didn't come through this is gonna be it it's gonna work you ever think you're raising them right and you're like "Ooh, i would do that over again i need to have another baby like matt did so i can get it right (laughs) my oldest daughter told me good luck with that dad she's rooting for me you ever blow it you ever mess it up big thing little thing anybody Do you really want the truth to be your truth? Do you really want to put all your chips on my truth? I mean, I don't even know how this is so seductive to us. It feels so good. Like, could I make my own decisions? I don't do that well. I'm in the car like, where do y'all want to eat? (laughs) How much money should I save? Should I spend? Should I invest in that? Should I do that? Should I change this job or that job? What's going to happen in two months with COVID? God says, I am the God and I present myself to you as God like this. I tell you the end from the beginning. And then he gives prophecies that all come true. And then the devil comes over here and sometimes somehow convinces me that my truth would be better. Man, my truth don't even work in my room by myself. My My truth don't work driving to Austin. Should I take Mopac? Should I take 35? 
Should I take the tow road? Tow road. Eh, wrong. I don't know if there is a right answer to that question in Austin. Think about this. In this culture of your truth, do you really want to be left with your truth? Is there anybody here that's got it all figured out? Because I'd just like to talk to you. I've got a lot of help I need. It's almost ridiculous that we've fallen for that. Your truth, your truth, the truth's inside you. Find it. It's your truth. I'm like, bro, I don't know if I want to meet him rare or well done. I don't know if I ordered the chocolate cake or the Italian cream cake. Both. Oh, I do know the answer. I like my truth. No, I'm just kidding. Let's wrap up. Where's your truth coming from? What are you riding on? What's your bet on? What's your life on? What have you said? No, this is it, and I'm sticking with it. I got no clue, but Jesus has the answers. He is the truth. So me and my house, we're putting it all in on him. Well, how you do that, Matt? You've got to know the word of God and what he says. You've got to know that he says if you want it to go well with you, you've got to honor your parents. Whether they're honorable or dishonorable, you've got to honor them. You've got to figure out a way. You've got to know this. There's never a good time to lie because the word of God says do not lie. There's never a good time to kill, even with your words where you just chop people up. It's never a good time because the Lord says don't murder. It's never a good time to break God's law and think you're going to get a shortcut somewhere. We've got to know the word of God. At the end of your life, they'll be looking at your body you will be gone. And there'll be a day where you stand before the Lord, and that will be the day that matters. There'll be nothing else that matters. There's nothing else to hold up there before the Lord, just your soul and your spirit. You need to know what's going to happen that day. You don't need to know what I say about it. You need to know what the truth says about it, because that day is the day of all days. It either goes well or it doesn't go well. I pray it goes well for you. There was someone who came, the Son of God, who said, I'm the way to the Father, and I'm the truth. And through me, you can get there. Will you pray with me? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.